You're listening to the Grassroots Church Podcast. We're a Jesus-centered community in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. The message you're about to hear was originally given on April 23rd, 2023. All right, and now is the time for the children to go. So if you are in kindergarten to grade six, just go to the lobby. You have a, a volunteer teacher there who will line you up and take you back to your thing. If you are younger than that, your parents can take you to the nursery where there's some volunteers there uh, waiting for you, and that's just down that hall. So, just a little plug. Um, We are looking for people to do roots and shoots and nursery, even for as soon as next week. So, uh, if you are on the volunteer list, you should have like a, an email in your inbox that will let you kind of electronically sign up for a week. Uh, if you don't get those emails and you want to, um, you can talk to Amy and she'll help you with that. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that you are with us here. And I pray that uh, you just bless this message and... Um, and everyone who's here. Amen. All right. So um, for those who might be visiting or who just weren't here last week, last week we made the announcement um, that Steve Bill is going to be the new pastor of Grassroots, and we're very excited about that. Uh, again, I am not Steve Bill. He's not here today. So got a little, like, anti-climax there. But... Uh, but yeah, so I'm here instead for, for this week. I will tell you who I am. My name is Scott Baker. I, uh, I volunteered to talk about uh, one of the five markers of the new Reformation. And just a reminder, all right, we're going to see if this works. Let's see. Oh, come on. I thought I fixed it. There we go. Oh. All right, as a church, we're looking at the possibility of joining the Jesus Collective, and we're on our way down that road. The Jesus Collective is a network of churches and ministries that share resources and relationships. And we hope that we'll be able to access these things to help our congregation. And as part of doing that, we are looking at these five points, and Steve went over these last week. I am going to be talking about the third one. We're going to do the third one first. And the reason we're doing the third one first is partly because of Easter. So I'm going to be talking about evil is overcome through the power of suffering love, and I think there we need to start with the Easter story. But before I get too far down, I do want to kind of give a bit of a heads up. So like, as part of this, I've been, I'll be drawing on like an example from my own life and work um, about evil, and that example is harmful substance use, drug addiction, and stuff like that. Um, so if that's something you're dealing with personally, um, I just want to let you know that there's no judgment, there's no condemnation here, and I love you, and God loves you, and we just want you to be safe. All right. So this week is week two, because week one is introduction. 
We're talking about evils overcome through the power of suffering love. You'll be talking about it next week as well. Then week four and five, they're doing the scripture one. And then the community one, the Holy Spirit. And finally, um, the one about having a shared center instead of drawing lines between us. All right, evil is overcome through the power of suffering love. And like I said, we're gonna start with Easter. And obviously the, the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus is an important part of Christianity or the important part of Christianity. But it's also sort of hard to understand. At least I find it hard to understand. So we sometimes construct like stories to help us understand it. And one of those stories is that the cross was about punishment. That there was some kind of punishment that was due and that instead of us getting punished, Jesus was punished. And that that's what that cross, the Jesus story was about. Even one of the songs we sang this morning kind of hinted toward that, that story. But that's not the only way to understand the cross. And it's not really a way that I subscribe to uh, understanding that. So I'm going to tell you a different story. And that story is that there's evil in the world. Evil things like violence and evil things like fear. I put colonialism on there. Jesus was killed by Rome, the empire of Rome, maintaining its colonial empire. Things like greed. And these evil forces wanted to kill Jesus. And instead of fighting back against those evil forces, Jesus allowed himself to be killed. But then, in an, Jesus was resurrected. And that resurrection shows us that, that those evils are now overcome. So yeah, as an act of selfless love, Jesus allowed himself to be killed instead of fighting back. So I rejoice in that victory over evil. I still don't quite understand the mechanics of it. We'll get into that a bit more later too. And I'm not like a theologian who worries about that too much. But even as I rejoice in that, it's not just something that was done for us. It's an example. It shows us how we are supposed to deal with evil. Jesus dealt with evil through suffering love, and we are supposed to do that too. This is a story from Matthew 16, 21 to 24, well before um, the Easter events that Jesus was talking with his disciples and telling them how he was going to have to be killed. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, God forbid, Lord, this must not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me because you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, this was before Jesus was crucified. So I don't know if like take up your cross was like an expression back then or something, or it was just kind of confusing. But 
in the light of what happens, it now kind of makes sense to us. Not only did Jesus have to be killed, but all of us have to take up our crosses and follow him on that path by responding to evil with self-sacrificing love. So we're going to look today at what it means to respond to evil with love. And our example is Jesus on the cross. So let's start by looking at what we mean when we talk about evil. Most people here who know me know that I work for, and have for almost 10 years now, for a tribal council, Nokiwin Tribal Council. My job's a little hard to pin down, but I'm basically a bureaucrat uh, in like education. So for the past five or six of those years, we've been running various kind of adult education programs. We do them here in the city, we do them out in some of the communities that we work with. And we get a lot of vulnerable people come through those, those programs. And lately, we've been getting more and more people who are struggling with harmful substance use, uh, especially opiates, fentanyl, these kinds of things. These people are dealing with this issue. And just even over the course of the past like five years, it's been getting worse. So I went to my boss and I said, hey, like, if we're going to keep doing adult education programs, we need some way to respond to what's happening. And I'm, I'm really lucky to work for a First Nations organization because we, at work, we're governed by the seven grandfather teachings and the most central teaching is love. So I can tell my boss, like, I am gonna take a love-based approach to this and she's like, yeah, of course. You know, please, please go ahead. This crisis of substance use and addiction is I think it's a good example of what we're talking about here when we talk about evil. Because when we look at that situation, it's not about people being evil. It's about people being overcome by evil forces. I don't know what the next slide is here. In Ephesians 6.12, they say, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, powers, spiritual world rulers of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Or like the King James Version, the powers and principalities of this world. It's not, yeah, our struggle is not with flesh and blood. Our struggle is with these evil forces. And we can call them different names. Um, evil forces... Our broken world is, I know, one we talk about a lot in grassroots. Powers of darkness, evil spirits, demons. I think we're, we're conditioned sometimes by, like, you know, Renaissance paintings or something to think, like, demons have hooves and are walking around. But I think when Jesus was talking about demons, he was talking about these evil forces that can come and take us over and make us feel like we're trapped. Just ones I see here in, in, in town. We see racism to be kind of this thing. Greed, loneliness, selfishness, violence, hopelessness. Those kinds of things that are dark forces that can almost like imp control you. When Jesus hung on the cross, he looked down at the people 
committing, you know, the worst sin of all, killing God. And he said, even those people don't know what they're doing. They're caught up in some kind of system that they don't realize that they're sinning. So when we talk this way, we should, first of all, be immediately humble. We could be participating in these systems without knowing it. Almost for sure we are. Both individually and as a church. And I think that's why, I don't know if I have a slide for this one. Oh yeah, Jesus says like, look for those logs in your own eye. Are you part of that kind of work of evil? In the podcast that I listened, I, there's a podcast about this. And I listened to it again this morning. And they were talking about how in certain traditions, people routinely confess their sins every day. Because some of, you know, we might come from a background that says like, oh, you shouldn't be sinning at all. But I think if you kind of confess your sins, you're like, I'm caught up in these systems, whether I like it or not. And, you know, I confess that and bring that to, to Jesus that I have these logs in my own eye. The church as a whole can get caught up in these systems and be, and, you know, work for evil without trying to. I mean, we've seen that not too long ago in this country when the church ran residential schools. It's difficult to recognize this is happening when you're inside of it. But I think Jesus is calling us to this sort of self-reflection. So when we do recognize that evil, we're going to respond with love. And that means not responding with violence. And I think, I hope that's obvious, but again, I think, I mean, Jesus has that big notion of violence. He's like, even if you are thinking these things in your heart, it's like you're acting out that violence. So once we separate evil from people, it's obvious that like committing some kind of violence against people would be like an absurd response to that. In Matthew 5, 39, Jesus says, do not resist the evildoer. And I remember when Keith Jagger first came here, he had a men's group and we were working through the Sermon on the Mount, where this is from. And, you know, I've read the Sermon on the Mount like a hundred times, but then we were going through it so slowly that I hit this and I was like, what? Do not resist the evildoer. It makes it sound like you're not supposed to resist evil at all. But again, we respond to evil not by resisting people, but by loving them. The world's really quick to think that violence can solve a problem. And again, big notion of violence. Those drug dealers, if we just send those certain drug dealers to jail, we'll fix the drug problem. If we just kind of put a fence here, 
you know, stop this person from going there, we'll solve this problem. And it's really tempting solutions because when you kind of like map it all out, one thing after another, yeah, that, that, that seems like it'll work. When Jesus is being arrested, I think it's another kind of funny story. Simon Peter is like, oh, these people are coming to arrest Jesus. I'm going to take out a sword and stop them. Seems like a practical solution. This story is in all four Gospels. It's so strange to me that Peter has a sword. I don't know if they always had swords. But, uh, but anyway, for some reason today he had a sword and he pulled it out and he slashed out at one of those people who was coming to arrest Jesus and cut off his ear. And Jesus stopped them. And again, this is the same Peter who was called Satan earlier for, for trying to stop this. I mean, the disciples are slow to learn. And he said, put that sword back in its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So that's from John, the only one that names it that it was Peter who did it. But I love that it was Peter who did it because again, Peter earlier was saying the same thing. Jesus, we're not gonna let this happen to you. And Jesus says, no, let it happen. And then again, Peter has a sword this time and, and acts it out. And then I want to pop over to the Luke version because we get only in the Luke version that Jesus put the ear back. And that helps me because, yeah, I mean, that's how we, we love our enemies. This person is coming to arrest me. Maybe if he was bleeding from the ear, he would turn around and stop. But Jesus even says, I'm going to heal your ear so you can get on with your work of arresting me. And yeah, even if we think that violence, force, is some kind of practical, workable solution, like, yes, we just need to do this little bit of violence, even if it would work, that's not what Jesus calls us to do. You'll hear in the podcast, if you listen to that, that the, uh, the guest there talks a lot about civil, the civil rights struggle and how people had to make the decision to act out in peace because they were trying to build a peaceful world. And it's like, we can't violence our way to a peaceful world. You know, the means and the ends have to be the same thing. And Jesus really does care about how we accomplish goals. We can't just do whatever we want. He's like, this is the way that you're going to do peacemaking, that you're going to bring about God's world and you're going to overcome evil. And that's with love. So, <laughs> I, I ran this sermon by Steve Bill before I came, and he said, he said it was good, so he, he backs me up on this stuff, but he said, Scott, it's a little heavy. He's like, you know, any kind of jokes you're going to put in there? And when I get nervous, I usually do make jokes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I figured, oh, I'll probably add some jokes in, but I actually, I get kind of upset about this issue because I have seen it in, 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 you know, in people who come through my, my work especially. And, and so, yeah, so I'm sorry if I'm too heavy today. All right. Will it work? So again, at the beginning, we talked about Jesus on the cross. And I don't know if... If any of you were bothered by the little sleight of hand there that he did, oh, evil is overcome through what Jesus did, his death and resurrection. 
but also there's still evil we need to overcome. Always bothers me from any sort of story about the cross is that like, it doesn't seem to have worked, right? Like it, <laughs> um, I think we're, we're supposed to sit with that paradox and, and like meditate on it. And again, but I think as an example, that's an example for us. You're gonna do this thing, you're gonna love in response to evil and it's gonna look like it didn't work. And at least not in the way the world judges whether or not something has worked. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.23, I'm kind of paraphrasing it there. The way of the cross is foolishness to those who look for human wisdom. There's still evil in the world. There's still death. It looks like it didn't work. So it's partly trust and faith. I think this is what faith is is that as much as it doesn't look like it worked, that we have to trust in the fact that it will. And if it's not gonna work now, that it will work eventually. We have hope in the future. So we react to evil with love, even when it seems like by all logic and wisdom, it's not going to work. And then when it doesn't work, we have trust in the future day when it will. I've seen people who have family members who are dealing with substance use issues and they forgive them and love them over and over again and it doesn't work. Like they still are dealing with those substance use issues and you get hurt by it. And this is why we, one of the reasons why we call it suffering love. You know, maybe they steal from you. You know, maybe they just are gone for a long time, you don't know where they are and you're worried. And so you suffer by, by loving them. And we do it, even at work I do this too, like people come and you know, they leave, they come and we have to send them home because they're not in a position to learn. But then we welcome them back the next day. And yeah, like it, there may, there's, I could tell you stories about how the times it did work and like, oh, this person turned their life around, but they're overwhelmed by the times it didn't. And I just have to put my faith in the eventual love wins kind of philosophy that I think is in the Bible. And again, I think Later on, someone else is going to preach about salvation means being in community because all these things we're talking about work better in community. Right? Jesus wanted a church for his bride. And that means you're not supposed to be doing this alone. When you're struggling, hopefully someone else sees that you need love and is loving you and you have a bunch of people on your team. It's really hard if you find yourself doing it alone. All right, so we're gonna move into some practical tips on how to love people. And I was, I was saying in the car today, I feel like, like every second sermon should be about how to love your neighbor. 
Because that's how Jesus talked, right? Like, it was all about how. And so, yeah, Jesus has lots of advice for you. Feed people who are hungry. Visit people who are lonely. When someone wrongs you, forgive them over and over and over and over. I want to highlight one piece of advice, because this is what I tell people when they... I get asked a lot because of my job, oh, Scott, how do we... How do we show our love to First Nations people? How do we deal with that issue? And I always give the same advice. Oh, oh no. Oh wait, there we go. And I get it from here. In Matthew 7, 9, Jesus says, is there anyone among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for fish will give him a snake? We have to listen to the people we're trying to love. You need to build a relationship with them. People are people, they're not problems, they're not issues. So at work too, like I was like, we can't deal with the substance use issue until we listen to people who are dealing with this, who are going through it, who are caught up in that cycle of evil so I, we ran a sharing circle in the summer um, for people who were dealing with substance use. They call it people with lived experience. We wanted to make sure we weren't handing out stones and snakes. So that was a, yeah, that was a hard day for me uh, because like, we were supposed to start at nine and go for an hour. We started at 11 and went for like six hours. So, um, but yeah, in that sharing circle, like one of these, I thought we'd learn, okay, there's not enough detox beds, or okay, there's not enough aftercare, and people would tell me where they hit those barriers, and I could draw a graph, and we could figure out what we we're gonna do to respond. But when people talked about why, what they were struggling with, they said they felt shame. And, uh, and they felt judged. So they couldn't get help because they were hiding what they were doing from their family. And that drove them more solidly into their addiction. Suddenly all the kind of talk about anti-stigma that was in the literature made sense to me. Because these are people who need to know that they're loved. And so that's been kind of the main sort of thrust of our, our work. It's like, how do we let these people know that there's people out there who love them and support them? I think shame and judgment are demons too. And, you know, we can get the, it's over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus says, don't judge people. So some of you might be thinking, okay, there's probably a time in my life when I thought this too. The best way to love people who are caught up with this, tough love. Or let them feel the consequences of their actions and then they'll stop. Stuff like that. I think 
There must have been some kind of issue in the early church where, where people were loving like that as well. Because Paul writes this when he's like, this is what I mean by love. You guys got love wrong. Love is patient, love is kind. It's not envious, it's not brag, it's not puffed up, it's not rude, not self-serving, not easily angered or resentful. It is not glad about injustice, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So like, people read this at weddings, and I guess it's how you're supposed to love your, your wife, but really this is the love that overcomes evil. This is how we're supposed to love that way. A love that is patient and kind and endures all things. So I don't want to try and say that, oh, this is going to make decisions obvious. Like all you have to do is love. Like that's not true. This is always going to be hard choices when you're making them, especially when you're making them while you're caught up in this cycle of evil. So, like, again, we're starting with number three in these kind of five markers of a new reformation, but we need God's wisdom from the Holy Spirit. That's one of the other markers. And we need to read the Bible in this light, and that's one of the other markers. And those things will guide us on how you love and kind of sort of really practical ways. I've always said the Holy Spirit will bring, you don't need to look out in the world and like find evil. Like the Holy Spirit will bring situations into your life. And then you're like, oh, this is, this is my sphere, this is my calling, and this is what I need to love into. I was worried about going too short or too long. I wasn't sure which one it was going to be. It seemed to be doing okay. Oh, oh someone's, oh. Is that the last one? Oh, maybe. All right. It might even be the last one. Next, it's not. There are more. All right. Can someone go and see if you can get the next slide after that slide? I don't know why this is happening. Next week, Steve Bill's going to come, and he's going to facilitate small group discussion on this issue. So just like when we did community church, someone will come and talk very briefly, and then we'll get into... Yeah, is there one after that? There should be one after, or a couple after that. That's it? Oh. All right, so that's okay. So he's gonna come, and then, yeah, you'll have a chance to talk about this in your small groups. Between now and then, if you wanna do some extra credit work, there is the, the podcast about this, and it does, you know, I think I'm in line with it, but it takes a bit of a different example and works through it. And so you can, uh, you can find that, we'll send it out in the newsletter. There was a slide with a fancy, what do you call those, QR code. There was a slide like that. <laughs> this is the second week in a row that slide has not worked, but that's okay. It'll come out in the newsletter. Please subscribe to the Grassroots Newsletter. 
if you want to do some extra reading, you can go to the Jesus Collective website. There's actually a few articles on this one. This is one that's really passionate about them, that they're very passionate about. And again, if you are finding yourself in a situation where you see evil in the world, look at who needs love and start listening to them. And again, if you're someone who's dealing with this issue in a real way for yourself or for your family, just know that God loves you and I love you and I want you to be safe. So the band can come up and we're going to do communion. I asked Steve, is it okay if I do communion? Because I don't know if lay people can do communion here. <laughs> but I think when you buy these ones, they come pre-blessed. So we're good. <laughs> and as we're doing communion, again, we're going to remember the, the death and resurrection of Jesus and the kind of two meanings that that has. We rejoice that Jesus has overcome evil and we take it as our example for what we're supposed to do, that we have to take up our cross and follow him. So as the band plays, you can come up and grab one of these little things. If this is new to you, there's sort of two layers. I get it about half the time. You pull up the first layer and eat the little wafer and then you, you can drink the cup if, as you peel back the second layer. You can come up and take it here. You can take it back to your seat and do it there. And uh, yeah, after the band is done, I'll, I'll just come up and dismiss the service. So the table is open. Everyone is welcome.